It's bad ink jam, but not as we know it. This is bad. Welcome to the Bashcast, brought to you by BoogieBashing.net. This is Big, looking at next week's opportunities in the last couple of weeks worth of profits. This is Bashcast episode number 143. It ain't no good if you're in the jungle. It is 31 minutes past four on Thursday, the 25th of July, 2019. Coming up in tonight's Bashcast. Look at some um, William Hill in shop offers they've got the work experience kid doing some of the mathematics again um discuss um the model that we use for working out x winners in y events uh, which is really useful for finding ev uh, more discussion on the golf and after the break a mistake costs up under two hundred thousand pounds and we look forward to the rugby world cup all that and more coming up in this afternoon's Bashcast. It is 38 degrees Celsius outside just now. It is about 44 degrees Celsius inside my office because somehow the radiators are broken and by broken I mean they're on when the boiler's off. So we turn the boiler off and on the hottest day of the year the hottest day actually ever in the UK. The radiators are blasting at maximum heat. That's nice. It's enjoyable. Was in Cyprus last week for a week's break. That was good fun. That was hot. Um, but it was bearable. Um, what wasn't bearable was the... Um, the... Sort of British scum. Absolute scum tourists teenagers who um, was on holiday with a few others there's about 15 of us or so in the group um, my friend Luce Cannon Anil was there um, Anil is of American and Indian descent and um, bumped into some of the worst racism you ever heard in your entire life by some British teenagers outside a club and the sad news was that he was on his own 
and the rest of us weren't there to get his back because had we done so those teenagers would have experienced a different kind of a holiday I'll tell you that um, but I'm not going to labour too much on that they're assholes and uh, fate will determine what happens to those guys um, I do want to touch quickly um, on some of the sports offers at William Hill that we've had this week um, so every day William Hill write up 25 different sports offers and some of them are insane value and some of them are really bad and it's almost like I think what's going on within William Hill is that they probably want to get rid of these but they have the hardware infrastructure in all of their shops which means that it's too difficult to get rid of them if you walk into a William Hill any William Hill you will see a screen with buttons um, like 1 to 25 where you, you know you, they were obviously built pre-touchscreen era, and you can scroll through 25 different preset um, offers. Um, so every day they've got to come up with them. And every day it seems like... I don't think they deliberately make any of them positive expected value, because when any of them are and we hit them, they do get cut. I just think they are sloppy and make mistakes. That's what I think. So on Tuesday, we are in the middle of the World Darts play, Darts match play. And let me, Anil also said this thing. The early bird gets the worm with these, okay? Um, they don't tend to palp things. They can be a little bit awkward with ambiguity of phrasing, but as long as there's no ambiguity in the phrasing, they'll, they'll, they'll pay out on a price. They, um, mainly because I think... With, with all, th these offers are designed to be quite difficult for the customer to work out. It's almost as if the customer would need some sort of syndicated network with somebody dedicated to working out all of the offers um, with bespoke models and tools that they've put together specifically for these. Um, but William Hill wouldn't believe that that would be happening, surely. So the early bird gets the worm with these offers, you know, 25 offers a day. Sometimes the lines are wrong. If you want, um, sometimes they've just got no idea what they've priced up. So you want to be in store in the morning and you'll find them. And on Tuesday morning, offer number 13 was on the world match play darts. This is Smith versus Hop. Wade versus Suljovic, Anderson versus King, and Van Gerwen versus Durant. An average of about, well, normally about an average of 9, 10, 180s. Um, I think actually in the format from Tuesday, it was about 8 or 9 was usual, but because you've got Van Gerwen, a couple of 180s machines playing that night, the, the average was pushed up, so... Um, think about 40.5 180s was expected to be scored on Tuesday evening. And so scrolling through the today's great sports office in the William Hill shop, you get through the standard sort of early football ones at the um, uh, 1 to 12, and then you get to number... Um, 12, which is Michael Van Gogh and Michael Smith, James Wade and Gary Anderson, all to win in that evening, which was 4.5 to back and 
something rubbish like six would be fair odds and then you get to the 180s bet now remember we're expecting 41 180s 40.5 180s over the evening's play on tuesday well today's great sports offer 13 if you got there read over 34 180s in tonight's world's match play matches priced at 11 to 10 so just your standard 170% ev um, bet there there is going to come in 81% of the time so 81 percent of the time you're going to put down a hundred pounds and you're going to get 210 pounds back in return that seems normal that seems absolutely fine and normal um so the average line i just looked it up here the 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 the, the average number of 180s the expected evens line was 40.5 um that it that evening or 40.2 so um I think what they've done here, trying to work, sort of back engineer the mistake that William Hill did, which is always fun, is they have um, only applied three matches. That would be about right. Um, so they've only included three matches in the over 34 180s, which causes them difficulties as well, because they're not now going to change it from over 34 to over 41, which is probably what they meant. Um, and add in the match, the Van Gerwen match, or whichever match it was that they forgot to do. The only thing that they can do is that they can slash the odds. So they held it for about, I think, half an hour. Um, uh, and it raises some very interesting bankroll management problems. And you sort of have to put together quite a lot of different pieces of this puzzle. So, okay... For starters, we're betting on something that hap that is going to come in 81% of the time. And then secondly, we're betting on something that is 170% EV. But let's go for the fact that it, um, um, uh, it, a fair chance of it happening is 1.24. Let's call it 1.25 for ease of mental mathematics. So let's imagine you, you win 200, 250 pounds on average of one of your bets. If you're the kind of guy that there's a bet that's 10 to 1 and then you you would stick 20, 25 quid on it at 10 to 1, right? You need to be sticking a thousand pounds on to be winning 250 quid from a 1.24 bet. And when we're working out bankroll sizing, we should always be looking at the, the fair odds or the lay price or the thing that we're benchmarking it against because that's what matters, you know? If something is... 10 million to one and evens would be a fair price. You don't ba you don't base your staking um, decisions on the 10 million to one. You, you base your staking decisions on the evens, the 2.0, the frequency with which it's going to happen. So we're looking at 1.24, which means that you want to be losing, you want to be staking like a thousand pounds if you can, you know, which incidentally is only two William Hill shops if you and your buddy can get to them. So more than possible to get really large sums if you're organized on these William Hill bets. So that's the first thing. The second question is a, a, a sneaky case of palpable error. And are the bookmaker going to 
Void it if it wins, or palp it if it wins, and yet keep the money if it loses. Well, one thing is they're going to keep the money if it loses. We all know that. What are they going to do if it wins? Um, I think I give William Hill a little bit of credit, and they normally pay out on these kind of bets. They only don't pay out where there's ambiguity, where they're absolutely certain that they think that they're getting across the description of the bet right, and then you're looking at it as a customer, like, there's no chance that anyone would have understood that. So... I think we're okay on the palping side of the line on this bet with William Hill. Um, and then you've got to look at the EV. You see, again, sort of standard Kelly or fractional Kelly staking. Um, the theory being that the higher the EV is, the more you should bet on something relative. So you don't, don't level stake all the way through. If you're getting 105% EV on a coin flip, then you should be betting X. And if you're getting 200% EV on a coin flip, then you should be betting more than X, right? And you slide that scale to however you're comfortable. But certainly, you know, 170% EV, things like that, they don't come around very often. So maximize the opportunity, bet more. Well, now we could be, if you're a standard better who puts 25 quid on at 10 to one, you might be looking at 2000 pounds on something that loses 29% of the time. Uh, it gets a little bit complicated. This raises really interesting staking bankroll management problems that we don't come across very often, you know? I think we all bet £25 on a 10 to 1 and it doesn't win and we roll our eyes and go, well, that, that could be expected, you know? 90% chance that that's going to fail. We're only covering six numbers, um, oh, so 3.6 numbers on the roulette wheel. So I get that the 10 to 1 is going to lose, but I uh, the 1.24, I think that's going to come in... Way more often. Anyway, you had a half an hour or an hour to sort of weigh up, model, figure out all of these nuances and complexities, which, to be fair, with practice is very easy, but we don't, we, we just never see 2.1, 1.24s when we can get on hundreds of pounds very often. And if you dilly-dally, you miss the boat. And... Um, it then got cut. I don't know when it got cut, but it wasn't long. I don't think it was, it was maybe an hour. It could have been less than an hour, I'm not sure. And it was cut to 1.4, 2 to 5. You see, again, William Hill would have been hesitant to have changed the line. They would have wanted the line to have remained the same, the actual bet to, to have remained the same. They don't want two different offer 23s or whatever it was. That, that gets complicated for them to manage because... Um, People come in the shop, they say, oh, I bet an offer 13, and then they have to say, well, which offer 13? Was it the morning one or the later one? We're over 34, over 41. So the, the, the bet has to stay the same. It's the line that has to change. And so it changed from 11 to 10 to 4 to 5. And again, you know, an interesting one here. Try and go into William Hill and put £1,000 on at four to five, uh, 2 to 5, right? I promise you they won't take it, you know? They've bat... Yet... And that's to win 400 quid. Yet put 50 pounds on at 20 to 1, there'll be no phone call, there'll be no eyes, there'll be no eyelids batted. It's, um, it's a lack of training for the front of house staff. You know, they're not, they're, not, they're not used to working out liabilities and then basing trading decisions on them. They'll just look at what you're staking. And so if you're staking enough to, bet f to win 400 pounds, well, if the bet is 10 to 1, no one cares. But if the bet is f 2 to 5... They suddenly do care because they're looking at large amounts of cash, even though they shouldn't be. Um, 
So it's, the bet is two to five. No one can get a thousand pounds. I mean, I went into a William Hill and Stoke on Trent, and I, I think I found a bet that day that was evens, and I just tried to put a few hundred on it, and all of a sudden I got a, a there was a phone call immediately, and then there was a second bet on that day that was twenty to one, and I I, I stopped like forty quid on it or something like that, and it went through without buying an eyelid. It is. I don't know. It's not the fault of the front of house staff. I'm not going to blame them. I'm not. When I say it's stupid, it's not them that's stupid. It's the training that's stupid. It's William Hill that's stupid. And on this scenario, it's kind of annoying as well because when it's two to five, we should be able to bet a grand or two grand because we. It's it's the liability that's important. And online, it would be fine. But anyway, whatever. So now it's um. Now it's two to five. Which, incidentally, still leaves us with a 1.4 to back and 1.24 to lay 113% EV bet. I mean, at, one, at 2 to 5, it's still good. You know what I mean? You're still looking at something that is... Gonna, um, we're, we're being offered 71% on something that happens 81% of the time. So, that's good news. Kicks off in the evening. Smith versus Hop. 10 180s. And at this point, it's looking like it's certain. 7 180s and Wade versus Soljevic. So that's 17 we've got there. Anderson King was 9 180s. That's 26. So we're probably a little bit under what we wanted at this point of the evening. But then Van Gogh versus Durant hit... 15 180s between the two of them. There's 41 180s in the night. And if you're on, good for you. Well done for betting at 2 to 5, which is the price that I was on at. And um, when it was 1.21. I mean, there's, there's nothing clever or special about that. It's just a little bit weird. Nothing I can do about the rattling and blinds, by the way. It's 117 degrees in here right now. So the windows need to be open. Um, and then this morning, right? Thursday morning, uh, I'm going through the daily offers. I get to offer nine. And offer nine says over 14 180s in tonight's world match play markets. So on tonight, we have um, Smith versus King, and they are expected to have 14.9180s. The bet is over 14 in tonight's matches. There's two matches. The first match is expected to have 14.9. The second match is expected to have 13.45180s. So combined 180s, 13.45 plus 14.9 is 28 180s. There's 28 180s expected tonight. They are saying they're offering uh, offer 9 over 14 times 180s in tonight's world match play markets matches is 9 to 4. I mean Oh, 9 to 4 on over 14 180s, where 28, 29 are predicted. That works out as back price 3.25, fair price 1.002. That's right. 
The expected value on this is almost equal to the decimal odds of the bet, which is 325% for something that will happen 499 times out of 500. You know, it's just, it's, it's, so that's as close to it's going to happen as possible. That's as close as give me a pound and then come in tomorrow and I'll give you £3.25 and forget about what happens. That's the deal here, right? So this is just it, the summer temp kid has written over 14 times 180s in tonight's world match play matches and missed out the critical word each. So here we have a problem not of error of calculation, but of ambiguity over the phrasing of the question um, um, or the, the particular bet. In fact, we know what they mean. They do mean over 14 180s and both tonight's world match play mark matches. We can figure that out. And incidentally, it's a terrible bet if you wanted that. That's about 3.25 to back and 5.1 um, to lay. But it's not written like that. Like, if you look at last night's, it, last night's is phrased exactly the same, but it, instead of 14, it was 40. So they definitely met... Uh, if you compare it against last night, if you were to put it in front of a court of law, not IBAS... Then IBAS would void it. Court of law would probably demand that it was paid out because they're not going to care about you know the, the whether the average punter stood in a shop, who's told he's not allowed to look at exchanges and benchmarking services. How are they meant to know how many one eighties there are going to be tonight? So that's free money. That's probably closer to a pulp. There's just no way that William Hill are going to pay out on that. And on that one, they did have to actually change the phrasing of it. I was saying on the previous one, the uh, the phrasing stayed the same, but the um, odds changed. On this one, the odds stayed the same. But I heard from people that when you actually got a printed uh, that printout of the bet, uh, the printout said that the word each was included. So there you go. So at that point, by the way, I, you you're perfectly entitled to void it. You just say to the guy, look. I bet on this, assuming I was going to get a bet equivalent to what was on the screen. Why wouldn't I? And I get the printout here, and you have the word each in. I mean, it's completely two different bets. Over 14 180s in tonight's um, world match play matches um, is not the same as over 14 180s in each of tonight's world match play matches. So um, um, they definitely should void that if. Um, if you were on it and you saw it. And I feel sorry for the people that tried to get on it and then walked away and th thinking that it was over both matches. I bet there was there's going to be some confusion tomorrow morning where people go in and go, hey, there were 26, 180s that easily won. And then they go, no, it's meant to be for each. It's really annoying. But it's also very good having the work experience guy there this summer, I think. 1.21 shakeoffs. So if you go to William Hill into so it depends if you're on desktop actually or mobile. So on desktop, go to William Hill, horse racing, and then into specials, and you'll see some specials for the day in there. On mobile, I think you have to go to hashtag your odds, even though they're not hashtag your odds. It's such a dumb way of like categorizing things. William Hill, instantly not low worst um, site navigation. Um, actually, no, Betfair Sportsbook is the not low for site navigation, but usability, the way it just hangs, William Hill, by far, every time. 
Um, so if you go there, you may see some enhanced offers. They normally go up around about 10.30 in the morning, something like that for the horse racing. Similarly, over at um, Skybet, if you... I tend to find them if I go home, they're under horse racing and you can get like either how many will win or um, combined um, Osin Murphy, Ryan Moore. How do you, spell, how do you pronounce O-I-S-I-N, by the way? Murphy's first name is Osin, something like that. Um, combined winners. And what they'll do here is they will um, sort of say, will Ryan Moore get two or more winners across a number of different races um, and then they'll offer a price now these can be quite good for two different reasons right firstly um, they offer the price in the morning they tend not to cut them there are exceptions they do cut them don't don't think they don't cut them they do cut them but they're very slow in cutting them so they're very um, latent and um, sort of protected from price movement which means that when prices move in our favor we can jump on really decent tv and when prices move away from us which happens quite a, uh, equal amounts of time if you like um then you know we don't have to get on so these are horse races predominantly although they would work on each sport and if you want to have a go working like yourself um, you need to work out all the different permutations of winning and losing across the options of the races. Um, and to do that, you can just pop over to the spreadsheets part of uh, Bookie Bashing, and there is a, it's called X Winners in Y Events. So anytime you've got a number of different events and you're looking for um, some winners in those events, we have a calculator that you plug in the odds of each individual event, and it will tell you what the um, chances are of no winners, one winner, two winner, three winner, four winner, five winner, etc. Up to the 12 selections. And it will also tell you exactly zero winners, one winner, two winner, three winner, four winner, which um, um, Sky have as well. So um, the first reason why these can be quite lucrative, quite useful, is that, the, um, the, as, as mentioned, the prices are static. Um, and the second reason um, is that non-runners work in our favor. They also work against us, but they work in our favor more than they work against us. So let's say Ryan Moore is um, two to one to win the race and there is a uh, even money favorite, although that, that, that wouldn't happen. But just follow me with this. Right. So then the favorite becomes a non-runner. And so Ryan Moore's odds plummet all the way down to one to two well on the race itself he will be one to two but over in the enhanced odds area ryan moore to have two or more winners that day will mostly be held don't get me wrong it can be cut but they're very slow to cut these things it's like there's a little there's a little old man just rocking backwards and forwards in his rocking chair in william hill's trading office and then suddenly like someone's phoned him 18 times to cut this bet and he finally gets around to it um so there's a definite edge here to be had and by the way i got an, an anonymous email a very nice one as well, uh, threatening um, what would happen to me if I continue to share edges just like this one, which is particularly part of the reason why I wrote it down on the agenda for the Bashcast today. Um, so um, just now in the evening, um, O'Sheen Murphy to ride at least two winners at Newbury 
was 72, now 5.0. So, uh, Murphy is, doesn't have a race in the first three races, but in the last four is 3.4, 4.9, 5.4, and 9.6. And if you take an or of those, an or where they're all exclusive events, which isn't technically true, but then again, this will also work in our favour. Because if Murphy starts getting winners, then the prices of the future horses come in. So it, it, it can only get better, is what I'm saying there. Um, um, and do a little calculation. We can work out the, uh, the odds of any one of those happening. Uh, the odds of, however, if I click and click on my spreadsheet here. Um, the odds of Murphy having two plus winners are 4.6. So we've got a five to back 4.6 here. So it's, it's not huge, but they can be quite big. Um, and five, 4.6 is enough for me to have a little punt on it. And it's, uh, for whatever reason as well, by the way, William Hill will allow you to boost the odds for 20 quid. So you're not going to get rich doing that. But I always think it's funny that you're betting on something that can be quite significant positive equity. And then they let you boost it even further anyway for the first 20. So um, that can be very useful. Uh, William Hill cuts slower than Sky, but you can still find quite decent stuff at Sky. I look at these on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. Sometimes I get around to on a Wednesday and Saturdays. Um, they are, it's not like they're time um, um, they're, they're hard on your time and anyone can look at them um, it's just um, they, they, they happen to be put up in the morning and then they become good late morning and sometimes I'm with the kids and everything like that so I don't, don't look at it Mondays, generally Wednesdays and Sundays as well but um, they can be decent, you can use them to look at um, the sky horses, how many will win you could have a couple in each race so you know, if Murphy and Ryan Moore are in the same race, it will say how many winners are they both going to get, the spreadsheet will help with that and then things like, you know how many draws are going to be in the premiership today and things like that as well, you just plump in all of the um, all of the prices of the draws so um, um, that's just something to look out um, if you haven't looked at those before occasionally they, they, they go up and they go up for the afternoon's racing so I'll maybe put them up at like 11.30 and then by 1.30 the racing starts the other thing is they tend to take them down at the first race even though um, um, Murphy isn't racing in the 5.30 this seems to be a race for amateur riders the bet will be taken down at 5.30 why? because it's a little old man in a rocking chair going backwards and forwards manning the trading office in uh, William Hill HQ who hasn't quite figured out that if they are promoting these bets that they believe are going to be value for themselves they may want to just leave them up until I don't know the first race goes but that's just me uh, it's too hot to continue the first half of the bash cast any further was going to talk about the golf, but we've probably had enough about that. Big headline news with the golf. We got another winner. Uh, Dylan Fratelli in the John Deere Classic. I recommended £9 each way at 90 to 1 because he was 500% EV. He won, and that would have returned £972 if you were on it. That took the bookie bashing... Um, bankroll, which started at £1,000 uh, nine weeks ago, up to £3,055. Is this any different from the boom boys that boom every winner and only focus on winners and don't talk about the losers? Nope. It is as uh, um, blatantly 
um, results orientated as them. I do apologize, but I just wanted to highlight it because you know what? It makes me happy. The bookie bashing tracker success makes me a little bit happy. Um, the Open came and went. There was only one placer in that, Ricky Fowler, but we do have two tournaments, one with not very many um, players in it, the WGC St. Jude Invitational and the Barracuda with a few more this weekend. Um, so uh, all I wanted to say there very quietly was, I'm not going to do it. Right, guys, uh, you're listening to the Bashcast, and it's brought to you by BookieBashing.net.
and welcome back to the Bashcast. That is King's Cross, the Hot Chip remix by Tracy Thorne, 2007. In the bookie bashing news. Betfred refuse upon to £189,000 winnings, winnings in apostrophes, after an error on the betting slip. A bookmaker has refused to pay £189,000 to a punter who made a mistake in writing out a six horse accumulator and included Bailarico, who finished third, rather than Bialco, who was a winner. David Smith, presumably not the structures area manager for Area 6, David Smith that I used to know. David Smith, a 60-year-old from Loughborough, still received £23,000 from his spectacularly successful choices on that day a fortnight ago, but contends that Betfred should have paid him £212,000 and plans to take the matter to the arbitrator IBAS. So, Smith's other five selections on the slip, or one, these were Ardera Cross at 40 to 1, big price, Indian Temple 7 to 1, Shanro 9 to 2, Pennsylvania Dutch 15 to 2, and Sir Busker 4 to 1. Big prices, 4 to 1, 15 to 2, 9 to 2, 7 to 1, 40 to 1. Wow. He argues that he clearly intended to include Bialco as he wrote 215p next to Bela Rico's name. Bialco won the 215 race at Perth, whereas Bela Rico was third in the 340 at Goodwood. So Smith also wrote down the odds that were being offered about Bialco at the time. So Smith says he returned to the shop during the afternoon's racing after two of his horses had won. Upon checking his slip, he realised his error and explained it to the shop staff at a time when Bialco had won, but Bailarico had yet to race. He said he was assured that the bet would be settled on Bialco and that the decision in the shop after the other horses had won, was to settle it at £212,000. But when the bet was referred to Betfred Security for authorisation, the settlement was changed to £23,000. Betfred Security. So it's cast images of these Secret Service agents in sunglasses sat behind secure barracks typing away at computers. I mean, this is so criminal by Betfred. It's not criminal, but it's so poor to have a customer service agent tell you that you're going to receive £212,000 only for... He obviously wasn't high enough in the chain of command to have made that decision. So for him to have said something, or her, and then for it to be escalated upwards for a different decision, it's just, you know... And this is such life-changing sums of money. A Betfred spokesman told The Guardian, unfortunately, the customer had written Bela Rico on the slip, which was running in a race at Goodwood that day and finished third. Our rules state that we settle on the named selection, 
Now, if they do publish the rules and you write down the, a different horse name and they say we will pay out on the name that you write down, unfortunately, I cannot see how there's any case to go to IBAS here. Smith said, I'm not happy about the way that they handled my complaint. There was nobody to explain what really happened. A regular in the Loughborough shop, he feels sure that his bet would have been corrected at the time of being placed if the manager, who knows him well, had been working and had checked his bet as normal. Smith is being assisted by Paul Fairhead, an online campaigner for punters, who points to another bet Fred rule, allowing the firm to split stakes between two horses if a bet is deemed ambiguous. Applied in the Smith case, that would give him an additional payout of approximately £90,000. So what do, what do I think here, for what it's worth? Well, good God, do not write... Just check your bet slips and do not write down the wrong bet on the bet slip. That's number one. And if you get that wrong then anything that happens after that has to be seen as a gesture of goodwill. That being said, the ambiguity here does certainly suggest, if you write down the wrong horse name and then the right race and then the right odds, you've got two out of three going there to suggest what it is that you meant. And if there is a rule from Betfred saying that they will split stakes in the case of um, a bet being ambiguous, then that certainly seems to be should be applied here. Um, it doesn't surprise me in the least bit that Betfred have two different rules: one which says they'll only pay out on the named horse, and the other says that they'll split the, st the stake. Doesn't surprise me in the least, but I actually don't know which way this IBAS case will go. Um, I kind of feel sorry for all parties here. If I was the gambler, I think it's such life-changing sums of money that it's definitely worth a punt to nothing and try and escalate it. But I wouldn't be putting my hopes and my kids' mortgages on trusting that I'm going to get paid out here. On the other hand, if I was Betfred, I would be hesitant to also pay out £212,000 on a horse when the guy hadn't written that horse down. You know what I mean? It's like I would be hesitant as a as an independent limited bookmaker having to shell out that money so um it's unfortunate you can see both ways in here the one thing that shouldn't have happened is that the member of staff however senior shouldn't be telling the guy one thing as a frontline member of staff when it's not a hundred percent definite that that thing is true because that can what's the guy gonna think he hasn't got anywhere he he's got only got this guy to believe and so if the guy tells him he's on for two hundred twelve thousand pounds why shouldn't he believe him and that's that if anything that that is the story here that this guy has this member of staff has overstepped the mark with uh what they can or they cannot say I'm sure that in 1985, plutonium is available in every corner drugstore, but in 1955, it's a little hard to come by. So, a couple more weekends, and then the Premiership season starts properly. 10th of August, I've got penciled in for the start of the Premiership um, season. Back to work for us. Going to be checking out a load of, um, load of new coupons, a load of new strategies. Looking forward to it. Um, and then... Uh, about six weeks after the start of the Premiership is the Rugby World Cup. Um, first game, Japan-Russia on Friday the 20th of September.
So we start with Japan, Russia, um, on Friday the 20th of September, following day. Straight into it with New Zealand um, versus South Africa. All the times are kind of okay. Um, we're looking at 11 a.m., 8 a.m. is the earliest one. Some very early ones are on at 5.45 a.m., but I think those are mostly the ones catering to, like, the the All Blacks, the New Zealand and the Australian fans. Um, yeah, like Australia, Uruguay is on at 6.15, but a lot Wales, Georgia is 11.15, so I think they're sort of timing it so that they're easy to watch. The Rugby World Cup final is on at 9 a.m. in the morning. I remember watching... Um, England beat Australia in 2003. And I think it was on at 7am or something like that. And I'd, be, I'd had a heavy one the night before. And it was a real struggle to get to the end. I think I fell asleep before that drop kick. Johnny Wilkinson's to beat Australia 2017. Since then, um, South Africa beat England in France 2007. And then New Zealand have been dominant. 8-7 against France in a very low-scoring game. Um, and then in England in 2015, New Zealand again beating Australia 34-17. So New Zealand favourites for this tournament as well, 2.28 on the exchanges. And then you have a cluster of England, Wales, Ireland. I think Wales were the favourite home nation until the Six Nations and then England and Wales swap positions. You can get 6.8 on the exchanges for England. Then Wales and Ireland, South Africa and Australia and France and Scotland are the usual contenders. And then the, the longer shots after that. So what are we thinking for value ahead of the time? Well, heaven forbid William Hill bring back um, Try Again <laughs> from the 2015 World Cup from when Sasha was born, which was um, back a player to score. Um, the first try of the match and if he scores the second try we'll also pay you out as a winner Dagnam was there a lot of value in that I ended up being driving up and down the country finding as many William Hills as I could to back almost every player in the game I was back in the entire back row in a lot of games <laughs> um, just insane value in that they had a max payout of £500 and like the shortest price was 10 to 1 so it was just whacking 50 quid on everybody in the game um, I'm going to guess that Try Again is not going to come back. Um, wouldn't it be great if it did? Um, a lot of the try scorer um, markets can be fun because of the trading opportunities in the try scorer markets and the exchanges. They seem to be very inefficient. As soon as a boost goes up, you can just normally get yourself quite a good back price on the exchange. You just trade that out. Follow the boosts and trade out the back price and you should do okay there. Um, one of the things, though, I'm definitely going to keep my eyes out is the half-time and half-time full-time um, inefficiencies where these prices are very frequently overestimated by Bookmaker and because Bookmaker exchange alike because we are looking at very illiquid markets, probably even in the World Cup. So what we have to do as savvy advantage players is spot the games which are going to be 
low scoring. The reason for this is in rugby, you get three points for a penalty, you get seven points for a try and a conversion. And in low scoring games, and we're looking at games with less than 40 points, I mean, a low scoring game will typically be under 39.5 at evens. Very low scoring games may be under 29.5 at evens. Um, well, then, you know, you're looking even at 20 points a half. You're only looking at a few permutations, especially when you have two evenly matched teams. Um, you could have any... Well, if each team is going to get, say, 10 points a half, you only really got 0, 3, 7, or 10 points per team. And a lot of those permutations, about 25% of them, are the draw. 0, 0, 3, 3, 7, 7, and 10, 10 makes up quite a lot of the permutations of a single half of a low-scoring game. And yet, the bookmakers are still... They kind of have an even price, like the same price, for half-time and for half-time, full-time, across all permutations of games. This is games involving favourites, this is games involving high-scoring matches, and they don't take account for the fact that in a game where you have two even teams... Possibly um, where there's a lot of pressure, i.e. a World Cup, like a major knockout competition. Um, maybe when you have adverse weather conditions. I'm not sure what the conditions will be like in Japan at the end of October. But then when you have relatively evenly matched teams and low scoring predictions, then we can definitely see a lot of value in the halftime. And, you know, you bat the halftime and then you usually might take both of those teams to be drawing at halftime and one of the two of them to be winning at full time. Um, up at, you know, 16, 17, e even 20, 20 to 1, 22 to 1, things like that in the half-time, full-time. The games I'll be looking out for aren't going to be the major games in the tournament. So we were looking at, um, you know, day two before New Zealand versus South Africa. The problem there is there's going to be tries in New Zealand versus South Africa, no doubt, right? But let's jump in and pull D. Georgia versus Uruguay or Fiji versus Georgia. You tell me there's going to be a lot of points in there? I don't think there is. So in pool D, we've got Wales, Australia, Fiji, Georgia and Uruguay. I think I'll be looking at every game that doesn't involve Wales and Australia in that group, right? Similarly, in group C, England, France, Australia, Tonga and USA. Well, I'm going to pick out now Tonga versus USA is the game that I think has a very good chance of being a bit low scoring. Um, let's pick up the other groups. Group A and Group B. Group A is Ireland, Scotland, Japan, Russia and Samoa. So Russia and Samoa definitely and possibly Japan, Russia and Japan, Samoa as well are sort of contenders in that group. And the last group in a really stupid order that I've done it in, but New Zealand, South Africa, Italy, Canada, and Namibia in Group B. So again, I'm going to eliminate New Zealand and South Africa, but Italy, Canada, Italy, Namibia, and Canada, Namibia. Canada, Namibia is going to be like a wooden spoon game for bottom of Group B. It's going to be cagey. There's not going to be a lot of points and a lot of talent in it. Um, so it's going to be prime for sort of trying to determine if there's going to be any value at the outlier prices at half time. The bookmakers that usually do this are Ladbrokes, um, are Coral, they're both guilty of having very high half time prices and possibly the 888 group as well. But and, um, you often can't get a lot of money on, say, the half time, full time. But, but what you can do is. Um, you, um, 
seed the exchange early doors. So have a look what the 888 group, for example, Unibet, Leo Vegas are offering. Now you might be able to get a max tenner or a max fiver on, if that, at, at 20 to one. But then go and offer 18 on the exchange. Um, and then jump on to any popular matched betting forum and tell those guys that there is a 21 to back, 18 to lay ARB up at um, up at the exchanges and your money will be snapped up really quickly. And, you know, when doing the sums, in, in really good conditions, some of these half-time, full-time matches should be, at best, real odds, 12, 13, 14, you know. So you, you'll be sniping yourself a kind of a back of 18 on the exchanges for as much money as, you know, you can get traded um, when the real when the real odds, especially in these low-scoring games, should be no more than, uh, you know, 11, 12, 13. So, so without knowing where the value is going to be, that's two areas of focus that I'm definitely going to have. I'm going to be having a look at what trading and what kind of opportunities are available in the first and any time try scorer markets, you know, gappy markets, not a lot of traders in there and a lot of hedges in there, a lot of match betters, and that's prime. That's going to be prime for some kind of value. Follow where the boosts are and then just try and, um, you know, be the guy offering the lays in those boosts. And also see what's going on in um, half-time, half-time, full-time. And cross fingers and pray to the William Hill gods above that they see nonsense and they bring back the try again offer. Okay, guys. Listen, whatever it is you're betting on this weekend, be it the Stableford format of the Barracuda Championships or the World Match Play Darts Final do make sure it's value. I'll probably be back in a couple of weeks and then we'll be back to weekly bash casts when the Premiership season starts. This is Tom signing out. This is big. That's a cool fucking story I've ever heard in my entire life. That's insane. It, can I hear it again? Do you have time? <laughs>